Welcome to Spies of London. This is part one of the Cold War Mayfair walk. If you are taking this walk in person and actually walking around Mayfair as you listen to this recording, you should start in Grosvenor Square. The Eagle Squadron's memorial is towards the centre of the square, but just on the south side, near what used to be the Millennium Hotel. From Eagle Squadrons, you can see the Millennium Hotel, which we'll mention in a second, the old American Embassy, that's the one with the big bronze eagle on the roof, and a number of other buildings, which were used by Eisenhower and other Americans in the war. So Grosvenor Square has always been associated with America. On the east side, there is the tribute to 9-11 and the Memorial Peace Garden, for that terrible event. The embassy's moved now and will become a hotel soon and is currently a building site. Even the Millennium Hotel has its own stories. The interesting thing about Mayfair is that there are no tube stations, so the nearest and best way to get to Grosvenor Square on the tube is to come into Bond Street on the Jubilee Line and then walk west and south to get to Eagle Squadrons. There are buses that will get you into Grosvenor Square as well and plenty of those along Park Lane. And I think partly because of this paucity of public transport, no tubes, very few buses, and the it's bounded on the north side by Oxford Street and on the south side by Piccadilly and on the west by Park Lane, you tend to get a natural lull in the Mayfair area. You're sort of off the beaten track in a much uh, noticeably quiet area of central London, and this really is central London, it's W1. Some people say the most expensive postcode in the world, a one-bed apartment can easily cost you a million pounds here. So it's a very grand area, a very old area of London, but not as old as you might think, and we'll be walking through Shepherd Market later on. But it has a lot of history, especially post-war history and Cold War history as well. Partly this is because its exotic location led to many embassies coming here, so you've got the Saudi Arabia embassy later in the war, the former US embassy we've just mentioned, Qatar, many others, Egypt, several others on the walk down towards Curzon Street. And its proximity to Park Lane gives a certain grandeur as well, and Hyde Park beyond. So Grosvenor Square is one of my favourite of the old squares in London. Uh, it's fabulous at every time of year. In the spring, it's, it's got the leaves coming into the trees, and it really closes in on you. It's a very green area. And then in winter, the leaves disappear, and the park opens out again. And if you go in autumn, you get that great British autumnal leaf carpet, which you can trudge through. And then later in the winter, it will get very crisp and clear. You get some very sunny, cold days. I've done this walk on Boxing Day and at Christmas when it's very cold but clear and sunny. And I have to say, I think a Cold War walk in particular is best done on a freezing, cold, sunny day when you can see your breath as it leaves your mouth. So Eagle Squadrons is one of the many tributes to the American involvement in World War II. And you should read the plaque on the squadron's memorial before you leave this area. So I've set the scene for you, just to mention that this is a virtual tour, so you are not to feel guilty if you are not walking anywhere. If you are on a beach in some hot, exotic location, even better. If you were in London, um, but not wanting to travel this year, that's fine. But I've also set this up so that you can do the walk if you want to. And although I'm going to try and describe the directions, it's very likely if your sense of directions like mine, that you might take a wrong turn or two. So what I've done as well is produced public Google Maps with each of the locations marked on. So you can use Google Maps to wander around and you just line up the Google Maps list with the podcast. Easy, huh? So here we are, Grosvenor Square. Um, we'll have a little walk around here on the way to the next stop and I'll get you to walk past the old American Embassy because you can get much closer to it now that all the security paraphernalia has been taken away.
Okay, so we don't need to walk anywhere for the first stop on the tour. If you are facing Eagle Squadrons with the American Embassy on your left, you need to turn around and face the hotel that you can see through the gates ahead of you. Now, this used to be the Copthorne Millennium Hotel, but it's now been refurbished, partly as a result of the Americans moving out and the luxury hotel going into that building, but also, no doubt, partly because of our first story. And if you know anything about recent history, now, this is a Cold War walk, my contention will be that the Cold War never ended, but recent history, going back to 2006, you might remember the case of Alexander Litvinenko. Litvinenko was a dissident who settled in London and worked with his friends, including the billionaire oligarch Boris Berezovsky, to investigate and expose what he saw as contentious behaviours by the Russian government. Although Litvinenko had been in London for many years, in October 2006 he became a full British citizen with a British passport, and he was heard to boast to friends that now he had a British passport and was effectively or legally British, the KGB would not dare to try and kill him. This proved to be optimistic. On the 1st of November 2006, Litvinenko was in London on business. He lived in North London, but he was in central London on business. Boris Berezovsky's office was in Mayfair, and he went to Itsu Sushi Bar in Piccadilly to meet an Italian journalist friend. Later on, in this Millennium Hotel, which you can see before you, he met a couple of Russian friends as he saw them, former colleagues from the FSB. Unbeknown to Litvinenko, they had put some polonium, a radioactive chemical, into the teapot, and they got him to drink the tea. After Litvinenko had finished meeting his friends and drunk the tea, he went around the corner to see Boris Beresovsky and went to various of the locations in London before heading home. Alexander Litvinenko died a few weeks later in a London hospital with no hair, and it soon became apparent, in fact it only became apparent a day or two before he died, after all the tests had been run, that they finally realised the poison that was killing him was polonium. And the reason they checked that so reluctantly and so late is because it's virtually unknown in the wild, and it can only be made in a nuclear reactor, therefore it had to have been made by a nuclear power, and the most obvious assumption after that is that it would be Russia. Polonium does have industrial applications, or at least theoretical ones, in making anti-static materials, it's a reliable source of alpha radiation for laboratory, and it can be used uh, in space probes as well. However, the most common use for it is as a poison. Now, interestingly, although at the time this seemed like a very sophisticated assassination, where polonium was brought into the UK surreptitiously and not discovered, it was introduced into a teapot, drunk, by the victim, and then the two villains who administered this poison left the country, and the trail unravelled only months later when they were safely back in Russia. This starts to look like a professional situation, a professional attempt, but in fact it was the third try. The two assassins had also brought polonium to the UK on the 16th of October and the 25th of October, and it was only on their third attempt that they managed to successfully meet Litvinenko and have him drink the tea. Now, a lot of this is available on the internet. There's a really great podcast done recently featuring the Piano Man from the Millennium Hotel, which you can find on the Sky News website. So I don't want to go into this in too much detail. If I was on the walk, I might go into a little bit more detail than this. But I think in the podcast situation, very welcome to go and check 
the details of this story yourself. So I thought I would focus instead on some details which I found out much later. Um, one of the things is that polonium is named after the country Poland, which is the home country of Marie Curie, and she was the person who discovered polonium in 1898. But also, something very interesting happened four months after Litvinenko died. In March 2007, a man called Paul Joyal was shot in Maryland, USA. Now, Joyal did not die. It's never been proven exactly who tried to kill him. But it's interesting that it happened just days after he blamed the Kremlin for the murder of Alexander Litvinenko. And he had strong ties to Russia, Joyal, and was known in the Russian expatriate community in Maryland. So, if you add all of this together, plus the evidence from Itsu Sushi, from Millennium Hotel, from the three British Airways planes which had to be decontaminated, and the fact that one of the, or at least one of the two assassins fell sick with polonium poisoning shortly after he returned to Russia, you have the inescapable fact that the Russian Secret Service successfully murdered a British citizen on British soil in broad daylight. And if that wasn't enough to persuade you that the Cold War has not ended, remember Sergei Skripal, Novichok, much more recently. Sergei Skripal and his daughter survived, but only just. And a British woman did die inadvertently in that attack. The Cold War is very much still hot. OK, so on that cheery note, we proceed through Grosvenor Square. If you walk straight through the gardens towards the large building that takes up the entire west side of the square, you will find that this is the former American embassy. There used to be flags out here. In one corner, probably on your left towards the south side of the square, you will see the statue of Ronald Reagan. This belongs to Britain and is not to be moved. Equally, because the structure of the building is listed, the eagle on the roof is not to be moved either. So they will remain in a few years after this has turned into a top luxury hotel. It's a building site at the moment, so spend no time here. Walk south into Mayfair. So the street that we're going to walk down is called South Audley Street and it does indeed head south towards Curzon Street at the south side of Mayfair. About a third of the way down South Audley Street on your right is a gun shop, a famous gun shop called Purdy and it's on the corner of Mount Street. Now we normally stop on the opposite corner to Purdy. I always try and stop on the opposite side of the street because then you can see what we're looking at more clearly. If you're too close, you can't quite see it clearly enough. So I normally get people to walk down South Audley Street, cross over at the lights and stand outside the pub so that you are diagonally so that you are diagonally so that you are diagonally opposite Purdy's gun shop. And the reason we stop at Purdy's gun shop is that it appears in John le Carré's book The Secret Pilgrim. Here is an extract now from The Secret Pilgrim. The situation is that MI6 have been tracking a foreign prince, a Middle Eastern prince, who perhaps might be slightly large, around Mayfair and making sure he doesn't cause a diplomatic incident. Here's John. Day two had been spent hanging around Mount Street while Fat Boy had himself measured for a pair of Purdy shotguns. First, precariously brandishing a tri-gun, that's a practice or test gun, around the premises, then throwing a tantrum when he discovered he would have to wait two years before they were ready. And then later on they're watching Fat Boy again from a van 
outside a shuttered whorehouse here in South Audley Street. The whorehouses of South Audley Street are not widely advertised and not obvious on this walk. But the interesting thing to me is that John le Carre, when he worked for MI5, worked in the building that you'll be seeing later on this walk, Leckenfield House in Curzon Street. So John's lunch times would have been spent himself hanging around South Audley Street and Curzon Street. And therefore many of the locations in his earlier books, and his perhaps most famous books, tend to be from Mayfair. More later. Now the reason I like Purdy's is because, yes, the guns are intricate and expensive and, and highly regarded, both as weapons for country shooting and uh, as works of art in terms of the fine metalwork on them and the, the woodwork on them. But they also do a nice range of clothes, wax jackets, hats and so on. And their shop is just great fun to look around. It's really old-fashioned and traditional and just everything that makes Mayfair great is exemplified by a visit to Purdy's gun shop. However, however, we are not going down South Audley Street. We have, we have a date in Mount Street Gardens. So we are heading east along Mount Street, past all the shops and the fancy restaurants. And on the right, you will see an estate agent's and a passage along the side of the estate agent's which takes you into Mount Street Gardens. This is sometimes known as St George's Gardens. And when you walk through, first of all, let me say it's even more of a favourite with me than Grosvenor Square Gardens because it's smaller, it's more intimate, it's sort of L-shaped, which means you get little hidey corners here, but also because it is famous for KGB activity. And you will see straight away in St George's Gardens there are a high number of benches, wooden benches, many of which are new and would not have been there during the Cold War. However, many of them were there during the Cold War. And I've got information that, and I quote, the second bench on the right was used as a KGB signalling system to communicate with spies. Now, there are so many benches now that it's difficult to understand the second bench on the right, but I believe it's one of the benches uh, around in the centre of the gardens, not the ones around the edge on the straight path, not near the fountain. Uh, beyond that, I can't be sure. But what this does allow me to explain is the first part of a dead letterbox system, or a dead drop. Now, the good thing about the dead letterbox is that it allows a spy to pass information, typically documents, to an agent without ever seeing the agent and therefore without having to synchronise their movements in any great precision. So the idea is that you agree a location that's hidden behind a brick or under a bench and you put the documents behind the brick at the set time and then within an hour or two the person goes and collects them and then if you really want to you can go back later on and check that they've gone. This is great until the enemy discovers the location and then all they have to do is stake out the location for a few weeks and catch whoever is found there depositing documents or collecting documents. So this was adapted with a system of chalk marks used to signal when the coast was clear. And that's where the benches come in. So we don't know, or I don't know exactly where the, the hidden brick or the maybe it was in the fountain, under the fountain, somewhere else in the gardens, probably not in these gardens at all, but the bench was for the first chalk mark. So the person who had a document to transfer would put a chalk mark on the back of the bench. His friend would then come along later and check the chalk mark is there, which means that there is something to collect. We then proceed to the hidden location somewhere else. We collect the document 
and then we need to signal that the document has been cleared. And there is a lamp post on South Audley Street, which we'll travel to in a second, which was used for this second signal to show that the document had been cleared from the dead letter box. And then afterwards, each person would rub off the chalk mark and we'd be back to the beginning. So what this does is it produces at least three locations. It's the, the bench, the dead letter box itself, and the lamppost allows you to check and double check and triple check that the coast is clear before, during and after the drop. This takes a lot of time, but it's virtually foolproof. It's very unlikely that you would have been followed to all three locations without noticing that you've been followed. And of course, if necessary, you can add further steps along the chain, depending on how secret the document might be. I really like these gardens. The bench was definitely used by the KGB. We have this from people who have been captured or been naturalised, like Litvinenko was, to become British citizens later on. We will now leave the gardens back towards South Audley Street in the west. So you'll go past the Mayfair Library and take a left onto South Audley Street. And the lamppost is harder to find now. It's outside number two, Audley Square. Now, Audley Square is not a square, and it's been boarded up for some years because there's a massive redevelopment project going on behind some boarded up areas. But it is next to the Women's Social Club, very famously one of the few social clubs exclusively for women. And you should find it fairly easily, but this is one that it's very hard to describe, so take a look on Google Maps. When we get to the lamppost, again, there would be a chalk mark in blue or white, just above head height, uh, and somebody would walk past, brush past, mark the lamppost, and there was a figure of eight on the lamppost, and it would be just below there. Then later on, the chalk mark is removed, it's checked, triple checked, and then they go back and remove the chalk mark from the bench, and that resets the system. So this was laborious, it was difficult, but it was virtually foolproof. Typically, the paperwork would have been stolen from one of the many embassies in this area. There are very many in, in Mayfair, Park Lane, Curzon Street, even today, and there perhaps were even more back then. So it was very easy to steal a document, mark the lamppost, mark the bench, take it to the dead letter drop, leave it there for a couple of hours, check it's gone, and then back to work after lunch or in the next morning. So in this first part of the Mayfair Cold War walk, we started in Grosvenor Square Gardens, we saw the old American Embassy, we saw Purdy's Gun Shop, and we saw Mount Street Gardens and the lamppost on South Alder Street. In the next part, we'll be looking at the headquarters of MI5 at the time, Lickenfield House, Shepherd Market and a very famous bookshop called Haywood Hill. If you would like to follow this in person, of course it's very easy to pause my narration as you walk around, but in particular in the show notes I will put the link to my Google Maps so that you can see the key locations on this part of the walk and for the rest of the walk as well. And the next episode will be coming in a few days. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Spies of London, the Cold War Mayfair Walk. See you next time.